Thank you for joining us, listeners, for another rousing session of Yalzar setting... All right. Nailed it. Fifth edition. Got it. Dungeons and Dragons. Setting as Yalzar. Here are my players. We have everyone except for one of our warlocks and our arcanist. Starting with our ranger rogue. Rogue. Definitely a rogue. I am a rogue. I will hope to be a ranger. It is uh, Devin playing Farang. We have our... Uh, our warlock. Hi, uh, this is Jesse. I'm playing Valandis. And our druid. I'm Justin. I'm playing Adara. We also have our bard. That's I'm Austin. I'm playing L. And our fighter or fighter. I'm Jeff, and I will be playing Garrett. All right, we are. Down two players, but five players is still enough to run a session, so here we are running a session. So, as returning listeners might be desired to be reminded of, as well as myself and the players, you all had just survived a rather traumatic bandit ambush hill giant combo on your barge, and uh, had to take a day and let the crew, uh, a half day, to have the crew repair the barge before you could continue down the river. That happened without a hitch, and in fact, uh, without any circumstances desired by the players, I will proceed through the rest of the days of your trip down the river. Sure. Anyone got anything? Okay, so the next three days, which would be five days since you've left, are all totally peaceful, non-important, nothing really happens of value. Uh, And then you arrive at the, you can see it in the distance, actually, the large port city that seems to uh, receive all of the barges that come down this way. And uh, it is a, a, a quite a city that is seemingly done relatively well for itself. Obviously, it is quite the uh, crossroad town being at the end of a uh, river that goes into the mainland. And uh, you know nothing about it unless anyone wants to make a history check. Um, I'm going to pass. Yeah, Aaron's never been this far down. Okay, so no one knows shit. But uh, Boxing Crate, I believe, offered to the party last session uh, an opportunity to meet their boss uh, to uh, thank them for their valor in defending the barge. So the barge comes into the, the marina, and you are all able to handedly and quite easily uh, unpack your, your, your caravan and your sand skirt lizards. And, uh, yeah, you guys have a town before you. What would you like to do with your with your day there? So do we have any uh, tasks that we needed to perform here? This is just like a, a waypoint to start moving off into the desert to find the crystal, right? That's we aren't here for anything other than maybe meeting with Seducela. Correct. Um, would Garen be able to do a uh, some sort of a gossip check and see if there's any uh, mercenary bands currently holed up in the city that he might be able to get some information from? Allow me to check the skills because I don't know honestly that there's anything like that anymore. 
Um, don't you have something? Don't you have a, uh, an ability given to you by your background for that? Um. Uh, I mean, I have a former rank and everything. Okay. Um, Good. I would say I have a I have a criminal contact. Um, would that be something I could use to figure out what's going on? Um, well, I believe you have to meet up with someone. Is that correct? Right. I have a reliable and trustworthy contact who acts as my liaison to the network of other criminals. Um, I know how to get messages to and from my contact, even over great distances. Uh, I know local messengers, collect caravan masters, and seedy sailors who can deliver messages for me. So I guess it's just a way of getting messages across them. So, yeah, you would, you would know connections back to like the houses of the drown network but you might not um then go ahead and give me if you want to use that ability here you want to give me a charisma check to see how how familiar you are with the people in this area okay that's a six okay you had a contact in this port city in fact, uh, just thinking about it reminds you that the name of this port city is actually known as uh, Shatar. S H A apostrophe T A R. And uh, okay. you had a contact here, but you think they died a couple years ago. <laughs> okay. Um. So, no, without going around and asking specific important people uh, or making a skill check, that would be a... Hmm. Let's go with insight. See if I like that. Okay. Um, can we... Valen's going to turn to Boxing Crate and ask them if they can... Um, Introduce us to their boss, the Jerusalem. Sure. Um, the, the the brothers agree. Uh, they ask to give them a little bit of time just to unpack the barge and make sure all the passengers are off. But uh, after that, they'd be glad to introduce you to the Jerusalem. Okay. Um, Garen would just start wander, uh, tell everyone that he'll be back and kind of just leave it at that. If... Uh, if no one tries to stop him, he would kind of just meander his way, looking for anything that would resemble a bar that likes to cater to soldiers. Uh, you find just the place. You uh, there's now. I'll give you the option. Do you want to go to like some of the saltier bars near the marin the marina, or do you want to go into the town proper and find one that probably isn't filled with sailors? Uh, the one in the town proper. Okay. Um, there's a couple of bars. There is two in 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 uh in specific. There is the the rat's fingernail, and then there is the uh broken bludgeon inn. Hmm. Does one of them look like it caters more to officers? 
hard to say. They both seem like uh, they both kind of give up off the vibe to us as people in the real world. Would probably look like uh, like a like a like a like a midwestern saloon catering to like biker gang sort of people. But okay. Uh, uh. Say so in that case, he would walk into the. Uh, you said one was the broken cudgel. Uh, yeah, the broken bludgeon. I think is what I called it. I apologize, bludgeon. You're fine. I'm trying to make sure I keep the names consistent. <laughs> um, he would walk into that and kind of just take the uh, lay of the land. Kind of uh, see uh, how seated the place is. If there's some friendly looking people in there. Uh, Sure, you, anyway. you you walk into the Broken Bludgeon. It's a dusty place, despite there not being a whole lot of wind to kick up the dust in the first place somehow. And uh, you're regarded by the barkeep as you walk in. It's a it's you know it's mid to late morning at this time, so it's relatively, I wouldn't say empty, but it's not busy. You know, there's no ruckus party going on. There's a couple of there's a about four rust dwarves at a table playing some sort of foreign game. Uh, with coins on the table and the occasional dwarven exclamation of uh, victory. Uh, there's a, a half-elf man behind the bar who is the one that re- sort of greets you with a gentle nod as he's you know doing that classic thing where he has the rag cleaning out a, uh, a glass. Uh, you, you see a, another half-elf, a woman, who is clearly the lead barmaid, and she is walking around serving food and drinks to the sparse... Uh, amount of patrons who are, yeah. are different mixes of people. You see a couple of humans. You see that t- that table of rust dwarves. You see um, a couple of people at another table that seem to be adventurers guild members. They're all wearing an, uh, an insignia that you immediately distinguish them as members of the adventurers guild. Um. Uh, quick aside, I, I I looked up the soldier and I can usually gain access to friendly military encampments and fortresses where my rank is recognized from my former unit. Uh, just for the record, I just found that out. Um, so for, you, Aaron, for you to do that, walk. I need you to, to stay on that aside. I need you to tell me where in the world your mercenary unit would have been in practice. Um, and Towards that, the north. Towards the uh, north? The, okay, so you're probably not going to have many connections here. Yeah. Just as a heads up. But if we ever go back to the north, obviously, you'll probably be able to use that ability to some extent. Um, just so I know for the future, we're, we're, uh, are there any sort of petty kingdoms in this continent that would do a lot of infighting um, um, where mercenaries would be in high demand all the time? Mercenary work is always popular in the rainforest because of all the tribal warfare that goes on. Um, but not many mercenary groups would have been particularly, you know eager to chomp at the bit of going to a literal guerrilla war in actually the rainforest. Okay, yeah, he, he would avoid the rainforest. But, okay, so stop up north then. Works for me. Yeah. He looks cold. Um, just to interject, uh, Valen had followed um, uh, Darren and uh, walked in not 30 seconds after he did. Would you make a stealth roll to not be detected by him, or are you intentionally following him like he would have known you're there? I, I have no problem with him knowing I'm there. Okay. Garen wouldn't totally acknowledge Valen, but he would walk straight up to the bartender and uh, strike up a brief conversation with him, uh, greeting him and introducing himself. 
Well, the half-elf in turn introduces himself. He remarks himself as, uh, as Jade Thistleleaf and asks what he can serve you. Karen would ask for a simple ale. Two, actually. He would order two and slide a coin towards the bartender. Uh, he serves it up to you pretty respectably. He would motion Valen over without a word to the drow, sliding one of the mugs towards him if he came over. Even if he did, the mug would still be slid over. And he would then look to the bartender and um, inquire if he was a man who knew a lot of the going-ons about town. Um, I'm going to take a, take a moment and ask if everyone else is just going to wait for... Fox and Crate to give them their meeting with Sedusala. Uh, Farung's going to try and find like a local library or a town hall where there would be a sort of documentation. Okay. Anyone, anything else? Uh, Adara would go with him, I think, for that. Okay. And El? Uh, El actually has an invested interest in meeting with the Sedusala, so he's going to either wait or even help them unload their cargo to speed that up. Okay. Mm, and, get uh, hands dirty. Yeah, you know. <laughs> or all three fingers. <laughs> hey Unintentional fun. It, it would be it would be four fingers. He's only missing a pinky and only most of it. So three fingers and a thumb. <laughs> Roasted. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I actually Continue. had a, I actually had a debate with someone the other day about the the thumb and being a finger and finger or not being now, a thumb. He has a, he has four appendages. However, three fingers and a thumb. Yeah, little phalanges. Yep. Okay. Anyway, uh, so then we'll just continue with these two in the bar and finish that up, and then we'll go to you two at the town hall. Good deal. So, uh, what did what did what does Valentes do with this offered ale and situation? Uh, he'll walk up to the seat next to Garen, uh, sit down, and just take a sip of the ale and give him a nod. It's perfectly no mediocre ale. What was that? I said it's perfectly mediocre ale. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, Garen would inquire if the bartender was familiar with a lot of the going-ons in town. Um, like, the, yeah. the half-elf sort of gives you a notion, a motion that he'll be with you in a moment as he goes to serve a couple of other people uh, and serves a round of four large... Uh, ales that clearly are getting picked up by the barmaid and has ran over to the rust dwarves who you hear one of them do either of you speak dwarven no nope. uh, you hear one of them slam his uh, his his war hammer on, on the floor in like a stamping motion and like yell at the top of his lungs like quite joyously as he like you can if you look over you see him sort of take his two stubby arms and like just drag all the silver coins that are in the middle of the table towards himself, uh, much to the dismay of some of the other dwarves at the table. All that coin would definitely catch Garen's eye, and he would uh, certainly look over with sort of a, a greedy, greedy look. But uh, he's 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 managing the focus right now, despite gotcha. his natural. <laughs> Inclination to gamble, right? So, uh, so the, the the barkeep after that moment sort of smiles a little bit at the the clear joy that's going on in his establishment. Clearly, seems to bring him some level of 
gratification. Kind of gives you the sense that this guy's a pretty pretty good dude. <clears throat> but he turns to you, um, asks if you want another round, and says, uh, buy another round at the cost of three gold a mug, and you and your friend here can learn a fair bit about what goes on. Uh, Valen will say, this one's on me too, please. And uh, he sort of doesn't Damn. even pour the mugs before he sort of asks to see the gold first. Um, Karen would slide another three coins forward, nodding towards him, and uh, get a third ale as well that he would just set to his left and not touch. Well, the, he doesn't well, charge you three gold for the third ale. Oh, well, well, in that case, he would just... Valor kind of sigh slightly and um, drop the six gold into the barkeep's hand with an extra. Alright. He, uh, he takes the, the, the six gold and one silver... And, uh, you know, drops it over into where clearly he keeps his money. Walks over, grabs uh, your, 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 your round of ale, slides the three mugs to the two of you, and, uh, and sort of, like, leans over as he's clearly giving you his undivided attention. So, what exactly is it that you boys want to know? Getting into trouble while you're in my little lo- lonely town? Or? Garen would say trying to avoid it actually mm. I need to know if there's any uh, been in any bandit activity lately well, and as he says that he would kind of uh, delicately roll one shoulder still a little tender mostly emotionally from their experience on the boat well the barkeep says well if you came here from the river then I'm sure you probably saw some sort of hairy people these days can't seem to travel north or south on that river without getting a little nervous and rightfully so but honestly, it's really not that bad if you go on the river or east or west from here. Heck, if you, you could go west out of this town all the way until you hit the ocean, and it would probably be pretty safe. You see, the problem is when you go south, a lot of people trying to steal good money from good people go that head towards the Great Desert. Now, I mind to tell you, once you get in the Great Desert, you'd be surprised to have to worry about your coin purse at night. Those rust dwarves keep people pretty civil down there. But until you get there, I'd watch your uh, I'd watch your coin purse, friend. Hmm. At um at seeing Garen um kind of rub him rub his sore spot from the beating that he took on the barge, uh, um, kind of does the same and rubs his back a tad. <laughs> um, looks at the barkeep and says, "What do you know about the rat beat gang?" Ooh. He sort of takes a, uh, like, sort of moves back a little and press that you know about the name. Well, what do you know about Ratbeak? Karen would interject. Yeah, I know, yeah, I, know I got a score to settle. Well, I make yeah. sure that you keep your anger in check, friend, because Ratbeak is not a place to want to quarrel with. Now, a Ratbeak gang. I'd almost say that you might want to find yourself traveling to Rat Beak itself and tell them that there's some gang holding their name around like some sort of banner. I don't know a whole lot about Rat Beak. All I know is that it's some place in the middle of the fucking ocean that only pirates know how to get to. It's a place of some notable renown, and I've never been there myself. But there is someone who, in town who has. All right. Do you have his name? Well, I know her name. 
Would it be Come on, Jesse, it's 2017. <laughs> I'm sorry? Would it be Seducela? The very same. How do you know her? Uh, a fortunate meeting um, coming up. I'll leave it at that. Now, let me leave it at this then. Be on your best behavior. The woman likes polite people, and she takes very good care of those who take care of her and hers. Thank you for the information. And I toss him a gold. He sort of slips it back to you with a flick of a finger across the bar top, sort of like putting the message that he's... He doesn't owe you that information for any more than you've already paid. He's an honest guy. No, I give him up. Garen would uh found his previously ordered ale and the one purchased by uh, Valen, but he would hold on to the third one and not touch it. So, is there anything else I can do for you? Seven gold feeds me and my wife there for a couple of days. Ooh, I didn't think this far ahead. Uh, Garen would uh. Stand up, actually, and uh, say no. That more than answers the questions I I had. Would thank the man for his time. Uh, Valen will thank the bartender and uh, kill his last drinks and uh, get up and make his way out of the bar. All right. Uh, as you turn to go, <clears throat> as you turn, as you all turn to go, he's sort of you know, nods you all an adieu and sort of uh, tells you gently as you go to have a have a safe day and be on your best behavior, boys. As um, as Garen steps out of the door, he would pour that third ale onto the ground before setting it back inside the door. You took the um, fucking cup from the bar and, like, walked outside with it? Yeah, to pour it on the ground, and then he walked back inside, returned the man's cup. There's no explanation. He just did it. Or okay. went out for the homies. Exactly. But he's, yeah. He's gonna shrug his shoulders, coins, coin, and who have any questions, silly rituals. Silly as it may be, it seemed to mean a lot to the man as he uh, meanders out. Sure, sure. But who is he? You know, to ask. Alright, so Adara and uh, Faram, you guys have discerned that there is no proper library and that your best option is either the town hall building that seems pretty well marked out or maybe one of the churches in town. Well, I, uh, Farung would look at the church and see if how busy it is around there. Um, it's the middle of the day, and it is not a particularly holy day, as far as you can tell, because there's uh, a couple of people around there, clearly there for their own daily worships, but it doesn't seem to be too bustling. Gotcha. Well, uh, Farung's just going to kind of keep on going, and he's going to try the town hall first. Okay. There is a yeah, great... Good. She's going to go with him. She's kind of sticking with him, seeing where he's going. Sure, sure. Um, all right. So you guys walk up to the uh, the, the town hall. Um, it has a simple series of a couple of marble steps that lead to its relatively basic door. Uh, and outside there's a cork board with some announcements and it seems to be some sort of 
farm festival coming up in a few weeks. Nothing that really strikes your attention. Uh, however, the the door seems to be locked. Uh, um, I will knock on it then. Uh, a moment later, you hear on the other side of the door a sort of old codger's voice ring, uh, sort of dent, sort of uh, muted through the door. Yes, yes, one minute, I'm coming. A moment later, the door opens to a uh, elderly halfling man uh, who sort of puts his glasses up to his face quite cartoonishly almost and looks at you. Yes, what do you persons desire? Barung's going to kind of look to the man and smile and ask, say, you know, uh, good morning. I, is it still morning? Yeah, it would still be mid-morning. Okay. Says, uh, good morning to, uh, hopefully the day's treating you well, sir. My name's Farung. Um, more specifically, um, Captain Farung Nightleaf of the Lehasey Expeditionary Force. Um, I was wondering if I could bother you for some information about your lands. Hmm. And your friend here? Oh, uh, I, I step back and kind of allow him to see uh, just his character, Dara. And I said, oh, this is my companion. And I kind of gestured to let her introduce herself. She nods her head respectfully towards the man, um, smiling a bit. And my name is Adara. He sort of, sort of seems to focus on the two of you quite intently and takes a moment. Mm. Well, I'm moving a bit slow today, so the town hall's not quite open. But sure, you could come and look at our charts if you desire. Just follow me and close the door behind you, would you? Uh, Farag nods and allows Adara to go first, and he'll close the door behind them as, as they enter the building. So, the... Oh, she... Good? She, she enters. Alright, uh, so the two of you come into the really nice receiving room of this town hall. There is uh, several shelves of, of tomes and books of all kinds. Uh, and then before it uh, is a is a wide desk, and past there is rows of rows and rows of shelving units and etc. There's a hallway to the left and to the right that go to places marked as jail and uh, governor office, uh, respectively to left and right. But before you, this uh, you the room is quite dark. Um, the, the, there are windows that let in some light, but as you all walk in, you see a little halfling man sort of like raise his hand and some embers trickle from his fingertips as many of the candelabras and, and torch taunches flicker to life uh, with fire. And he sort of takes his obvious position behind this broad desk and uh, dons his proper glasses rather than just what was hanging around his neck and looks at the two of you and goes, so what? I'm sorry, my age has gotten to my old mind. What is it that you people are here for? Uh, Farang says, what do you mean you... No, I'm kidding. Um, goes, uh, smiles, and um, I take it, is there any chairs in front of him? Uh, in front of the desk? No. Yeah. Okay, so he's just got his own chair. 
Um, he approaches the desk and just explains that, you know, he is currently um, um, on a, uh, a mission um, to, to do some investigation of the phenomenons that have been occurring throughout the, uh, I guess, the known world. Um, and before he, uh, they, you know, they can continue into it. Uh, he would like to gather as much information as possible about the lands, um, specifically, um, since they're down towards their way, um, if they had any information maps, um, going on that they know of, um, that could help us in our quest, um, it would be, it would be much appreciated. Um, and that's really the only thing that he's there for. And, um, if, if he requires payment, um, he has some gold, but he has, uh, he has a lot of knowledge that he would be willing to share with man. The, the halfling sort of seems to chew on your question, uh, a moment and then goes, well, we are here to share knowledge. And if my memory served me proper, you folk from the East seem to love your fair share of, of great works. So I would be honored if you would care to look at our archives, but please, if you would honor me to not take anything with you, we don't have many scribes these days, so making copies is not something we have of an availability to. Um, Frunk, Frunk smiles and says, of course, not, uh, but asks permission if he could record um, points of interest he may come across in his own um, in his own uh, book. Uh, the the halfling seems to sort of nod and wave the request away. And okay. He points to a small gate uh, to your left um, past the desk that is just a simple chain, clearly meant to keep you know people from just walking behind the desk, but not any real great security measure. Gotcha. Um, well, Throng's going to make his way there and uh, just start scouring through anything that would be of interest. So uh, the local topography, um, any sort of like uh, uh, phenomenons that happen in the area, specific, more specifically to our, towards our destination, um, watering holes, uh, the type of creatures in the area. Sure. Um, it's just gen general information. Sure. Hold on just a minute. Uh, Adara, yeah, do you no have problem. anything? for this situation? Um, she's also going to start looking at everything they have. Um, she's more inclined to look at anything with the terrain and the nature in the areas that they're going as opposed to, like, water. More along the lines of, um, like, the wildlife. Sure. And things along those lines. Okay. Um... So you guys find that the vast majority of the archives here are either local history, criminal records, um, and other publications that the town has circulated, you know, like a, a newspaper sort of situation. Um, you, you can find the, the history of the Adventurers Guild um, present. You can find ledgers and ledgers of business uh, transactions. But uh, the only things that you really find of interest to your mission uh, is Adar is able to find a sort of bestiary of uh, creatures to expect to find in the desert. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Adara, why don't you go ahead and uh, give yourself a lead? Can you damp your mic a little bit? I'm like, oh, getting... I'm so sorry. You don't need to mute it; just damp it a little bit because I'm getting like every breath out of you recently. I'm not sure. Yeah, why. I uh, I had my mic super close because it was cutting out early uh, yesterday, so I gotcha. apologize. No, you're fine. You, it, it's really not that noteworthy. I was just noticing it now. Um. So, Adara, you find um, some things about local bestiaries, uh, some some creatures that you probably expect you'll you'll run across over the course of your excursion into the desert. And for that, if you want to go ahead and write somewhere on your character sheet that the next two times you'd like to make a knowledge check to identify uh, a beast of the desert, give your you can give yourself advantage. Sorry, I'm writing that down. Hmm. Yeah, so just advantage on two knowledge checks on identifying beasts of the Great Desert. And along the same lines, uh, why don't... Led, why don't you... Sorry, um, Farang, why don't you go ahead Mm -hmm. and give yourself a similar credit, but for survival checks for finding places of respite in the open desert. Okay, so desert survival checks uh, for resting. Uh, advantage, uh-huh. two charges. Um, while I'm there, um, I'm going to check and see if I can find any noteworthy people in the uh, the criminal ledger, specifically, uh, what's her name? I can't remember it right now. Um, who? Uh, the one that Box and Crate were taking us to. Oh, Sedusula? Yes. Um... You look through the recent records, and you don't see any any name that resembles it even once. Okay. Um, I mean, outside of that, I guess I'll pretty much be done. Um, Frung would look to Adara and ask her if there was anything else she wanted to uh, do, investigate if she needed to buy any supplies before we returned back to the barge. To meet up with boxing crate and potentially the others. Well, I would say that would probably getting what getting that information. I mean, you guys don't just flip through a couple of tomes in five minutes. I mean, you guys are taking a yeah. couple of hours to do this. So, I would say that that action it alone would probably eat up the time that you have. Oh, all right. So, well, good. I was gonna say he still's gonna he still's gonna offer. Sure. I mean, um, Frung's not too inclined on meeting this person, so. Okay, so it's uh, it's quite into the early afternoon at this point. Um, Boxing Crate and the rest of the, the crew of that barge have unpacked their supplies and, and ferried people off of it. So, uh, Al, you're, you're sort of let go from all that, and Boxing Crate asked if you wanted to go and gather your friends before you met, met Sedusala. Uh, no. They don't probably need to meet her at all. This is fine. Okay. They they seem to be completely unperturbed by that. <laughs> and it's about... Well, would, Arn and, uh, would Arn and Valen be back from the bar by then? I was just about to get to that, buddy. I got you. Um, okay. So as the group of you, which is Box, Crate, uh, a couple of other people that you recognize as crew from the barge, uh, leave the, 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 the marina, you almost bump into... Uh, Arn, uh, Geheran, um, 
Garen, sorry, and Valandes. Oh, hello. Garen would uh kind of just grunt, knowing, or rather, I imagine it would be rather obvious that they were heading off without uh, everyone there. Uh, Valen, more or less knowing the same thing, but interested, will say, where are you headed? Oh, off to see Sedusala. Hopefully she can sort me out. He says, wiggling his fingers. Uh, can we help you? Oh, well, it, it's fortunate we uh, happened to cross paths with you. Maybe we should get the others. That's hardly necessary. I'm sure they're off doing whatever inane tasks they've come up for themselves. Well, I still think it would be better if we waited and did this, oh, I don't know, as a group. Listen, I'm hot and sweaty and I was just moving cargo around. I'm off to get my reward. You can sit on the docks if you want to. Garen would kind of just level his gaze at the man and kind of just say, you will wait. But uh, he would attempt, uh, I guess this would be an intimidation attempt because he's kind of irked at this. Um, I'm, I'm not oh. a fan of people using uh, skill checks against other party members. Well, in that case, he just looks as scary as, <laughs> or as irritated as a seven foot tall, 300 pound dragonborn would look. Um, El conceded. You're bothered, and it wasn't his intention to irritate you. So he says, look, I'm sorry. I'm just in a bit of a rush to uh, get my fingers sorted out. Now, I don't think that the others have any particular business with Sedusala, so if it's all right, I'll just go off and meet you back here. The, at this point, uh, Box... Um raises a, uh, a hand to the situation, sort of steps in, seeing that there's a point of contention, uh, and issues an order to one of the other crew members to just wait back at the barge, and should the other people of your group go to the barge, they'll receive directions to meet up with you all. Ah, fantastic. Thank you, my kindly order. He nods. And, uh, Garen, the, Garen can get behind that decision. The brother sort of gesture as like, well, shall we? Uh, Please. Valen will bow slightly and, you know, give the go-ahead. So the two brothers, uh, who seem to have the ability to speak to each other in perfect uh, sequence, um, despite how one of them has no ability to speak whatsoever, uh, you pick on that they have some sort of rudimentary sign language system between the two of them. Uh, but as you all near in, into the interior of the city, uh, you guys are brought to the front of a bar with this signpost outside that says uh, rat's fingernail. And the sign symbol is sort of the close-up of a rat's paw. Um, and it has like you know, a regular set of fingers, but one of its fingernails is, like, particularly large and, like, dripping with blood. Or, like, a dripping a single drop of blood. Um, oh. and, uh, and, and you all uh, are offered to step inside. Uh, going back quickly to the two at the archive. Did you two want to get involved in this? 
Uh, Farung's question stands if she wants to do anything else or go meet up with them back at the, the barge. No, we wanted to go meet up with everybody. All right. Uh, Farung nods, and on his way out, he thanks the, uh, the elderly halfling and offers uh, any sort of, if he can give him anything in return for his kindness. He, uh, he actually asks for just a moment, and he seems to go into his coat pocket that is hanging on a coat rack near his desk, and he walks over to you and hands you a small, uh, very simple copper band. Um, and on the inside, it is, it is, it's, it is inscribed in halfling. I believe that's the language. Halfling? Yeah. And right. no, no, um, hold tight. I think I'm wrong there. I don't think halflings have their own language. I think they either speak Elvish or common, yeah? No, sorry. Sorry. Oh, yep. Halfling. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, they do have a, they do have another language. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it seems to be in, in Halfling. And he hands it to you and says, if you ever make it back to your capital city from where you hail, uh, there's a woman, last name Copperbottom. She's my sister. If you could give that to her, I'll never know if she'll get it, but it would mean a lot to this old man. Uh, Farag nods and takes the copper band and asks if there is a message that should be passed along with it. Um, and... If once he gets back to the capital, if he's finder and give it to her, he'll try to get word back to him uh, one way or another. He sort of, after you take it, he sort of closes your fingers around it and says, just sort of nods and says, she'll know, and there's no need. Uh, Farang will nod and thank the man again, wish him uh, uh, a farewell, I guess. He nods and sort of takes his old seat to his musty desk and by the time the two of you have made your way out of the building he's already nose deep into a book so uh good sorry can you repeat that last sentence i didn't hear you very very well oh as the two by the time the two of you have made yourselves to the door to leave you can or if you look over your shoulder he's already found his himself nose deep into a book again Okay. Thank you. Mm, not a problem. So, uh, you all make your way back towards the marina, and you can see that the barge is completely devoid of people almost. And uh, seeing the two of you approach, one of the crew members that you recognize uh, walks up and hails you um, and tells you that your friends re- left only just recently to a bar known as Rat as the rat's fingernail, and that if you go there and ask to speak to Box and Crate, that you'll be led to your friends. All right. Frung nods and just kind of looks to Adar and lets her lead the way. All right. Uh, so I'll cut back to the party while the two of you catch up. So okay. does the rest of the party go into the rat's fingernail? Yes, please. Um... Yes. You all walk in, and almost as if it was prepared and planned, a bottle shatters next to the door as you all walk in. There seems to be a bit of a bar fight going on. 
Dale looks disappointed at the waste of alcohol. Oh, there's no alcohol left in that bottle. Oh, good. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe just whatever was clinging to the glass, but, you know, nothing substantial. Yeah. Uh, he quips, nice place. And uh, Crate and Box sort of laugh as, as the, the you make that comment. But uh, you guys get only a moment before someone runs up at the group of you, to which Crate stands up, grabs the clearly intoxicated Rust Dwarf, and lifts him three feet off the ground so that they're face to face, and just Crate just like gently shakes his head, and the dwarf like stops trying to swing at him, and then Crate puts him back down. <laughs> uh, the the bar seems to be in a touch of a ruckus. There seems to be some sort of uh, group of of uh, people at uh, at arms with each other, but is culminating in a fight between two individuals. There is a, uh, a man that wrestling a rust dwarf on the ground, and this, the fight is clearly just fisticuffs at this point. And it's at this point further that you notice the man behind the bar is not a man at all. It is a, it is a floating spectator. For those of you that don't know what a spectator is, allow me to show you an image, because you're looking right at me. Let me just pull it up. So, you guys... Just having enough time to get a eye on the situation, you look over and see this uh, this this being known as a spectator, as clearly serving as the barkeep because he seems to be not terribly bothered by this by the situation of things, and yet uh, is um, making drinks, you know, keeping his big eye on the fight, but all of his smaller eyes are eyeing up customers and just for the party's sake that is what a spectator looks like <laughs> oh it's a beholder yeah well spectators are like smaller beholders okay anyway so that's what's serving drinks at the bar and uh you all can quite evidently see a uh the the man who is fighting the rust <clears throat> is losing the grapple and seems to go to grab a knife and draws a blade from his belt. And at that point, a great laser streams from one of the spectator's smaller eyes and completely disintegrates the man. Karen's not upset about that. At that point... The Hell fight, is. <laughs> at that point, everything settles down, because once the barkeep gets mad, everyone chills the fuck out. Uh, and so... The, the, at, the, at the sight and the sound of this laser just completely annihilating a person, um, everyone stops and looks at the barkeep, who sort of growls a, That's enough! Back to your seats! And uh, with no question to that order, uh, all of the people that previously were brawling, and for whatever degree they were enjoying that brawl, stop, separate from each other, and walk back to wherever the fuck they were sitting, and continue with their day, some of them probably slightly nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Boxing Crate sort of uh, pushed the group of you, you know, either arm around a shoulder, dragging you with them, or literally pushing on your back to uh, walk up to the bar. Oh. <laughs> 
L puts up a little resistance, <laughs> but gets carried along. Garen uh, wouldn't resist. He'd kind of just <clears throat> follow whatever was happening at this point. He's a rather laissez-faire about most things. That... Sure. Uh, as you all get close to the bar, the spectator sort of has already seen you guys, of course, by the time you've walked up to the bar. But as you all get close, he sort of seems to make a spectacle of seeing, of recognizing everyone. And goes, ah, box, great. How you doing, fellas? What can I get you and your much smaller friends? Uh, box sort of, you know, asks for some ales and asks if anyone would rather wine for the group of you. Uh, and makes the order however it would be. And uh, within a, within merely a moment, the, the spectator, despite not having any hands, um, whips up those drinks. Use your imagination. Uh, if you want to think that he telekinetically made the drinks, I'm fine with that. If you want to imagine that his eye tendrils were used as arms, I'm cool with that too. But however your mind wants to play it, uh, that's how it happened. Neat. Okay. Um, L takes his wine and turns to Box and Crate and says, Well, uh, I'm now very interested in meeting your boss and uh, getting this over with as quickly as possible. Uh, at you mentioning that, the spectator sort of chuckles, or at least what you can imagine is a chuckle. Oh, 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 you are all meeting the boss? Oh, she's in a righteous mood today, young friends. I'd mind yourselves kindly. I'm so glad it's not you. <laughs> uh, boxing crates sort of chuckle in, uh, to themselves and polish their ales off quite quickly and uh, ask if you all would like to be on, be on about it or if you'd like another round. On them, of course. Let's be on our way, Garen would say. Agreed. All right. Um, so uh, you, Boxing Crate, sort of leads you all around the bar down a side hallway that clearly you would, would have expected just led to the kitchen, but it leads to more than that. And uh, leaning against a wall in front of a very nice bar-locked metal door that just says the word office on it in common is a lanky, sort of spaced-out wood elf um, who reeks of some manner of herb. And he looks to the group of you through squinted eyes. Uh, hey, Box Crate, how you doing, guys? Um, to which Crate walks over and gives this spindly wood elf uh, a big old hug that seems to take the, the, the breath right out of the poor guy. Um, and he, uh, Box introduces this elf as Leaf to the group of you. Uh, he seems to be the doorman for the boss's office. Uh, nice to meet you, Leaf. He sort of seems to nod a little weak after the thorough hug that Crate just gave him. Uh, looks to you all a bit a bit aware all of a sudden. I mean, before this very moment, he seemed to be a little out of the loop, to put it gently. But assessing you all as people clearly here to meet the boss, he sort of straightens himself up and, sh and 
as if he was flipping on his awareness switch, just sort of sharply analyzes each of you individually. He goes, so, uh, they here to see the boss then? Uh, yes, please, if you wouldn't mind. What's your business, friends? Uh, El sort of glances at Boxing Crate and says, uh, well, I hear that she's a healer of great needs. What about the rest of you? They got tongues? <clears throat> Garen would speak up and say we heard she might have some information on pirates. At the word of pirates, you uh, see this, as I mentioned twice now, really non-aggressive looking wood elf immediately grab uh, an arrow from a quiver and draw his bow and knock it towards you, half-drawed, and goes, we don't use that word in this house, friend. I'd mind yourself to remember that after this door. Garen would hold up his hands in a, um, a soothing manner, I'm not quite sure, placating manner, and would say, maritime entrepreneurs. That'll do better. And what about you, dark one? Well, we did boxing crate a great service on the way down here on the barge. So they said they'd introduce us. To this, at this moment, uh, Boxing Crate sort of a sh back up that story, and this seems to relax Leaf as he, uh, you know, restows his quiver or, or his restows his arrow into his quiver and throws his longbow onto his back, and uh, just sort of. You can see he exchanges a really lengthy stare with Box and Crate, like, you boys better be sure about this. And uh, at that point, he draws a key from his from his massive key ring and unlocks the door. And uh, you all are welcomed inside, Box and Crate taking point. Any hesitation? Nope. Uh, nope. Okay. Uh, I'll cut back to the elves. All right, you two make your way to the front of this place that is uh, clearly marked as the rat's fingernail. Do you all care to enter? Uh, I gesture towards the door and say, after you, Adara. Adara is a little nervous. She's... Crowds and bars are not her thing. <laughs> so uh, she's kind of looking for him to reassure her before she... Um, I take it. If you're if you're, if she's hesitating to go in, then uh, Frank would go first. Okay. You open the door. Not her... Go ahead. Next. No, go ahead. All right. So you guys open the door, or rather, Farong opens the door and steps inside. And as you walk in, a glass bottle smashes into the wall next to you. Um, but the the interior of the bar seems pretty tame. I uh, kind of jerk at the explosion of a glass bottle next to my head. Um, as, as you do so, um, you hear kind of a, a, a coarse laughter 
deep in the, the bar, uh, looking up at the source of it, you see the spectator bartender um, and sees that, that he has unsettled you, uh, sort of bellows toward you. No harm meant, friend. Just love to rattle the chains of new faces. Please, make yourself as welcome as you can. Would, would Farung know about this? Um, like, know about these specters? I would say so. I mean, you may have not ever met one, but you would certainly recognize yeah. it once you've seen it. Alright, well... A little take it back by seeing Spectre for the first time and how friendly he is. He kind of smiles and thanks him uh, and proceeds to walk the rest of the way into the bar. Uh, there's Looking a... behind him to see if Adara is coming in as well as the other, uh, like, crewmen. Oh, the yeah, crewman. She's, she's following pretty close behind him. All right. Um, the, the crewman didn't follow you, just told you how to get there. Uh. uh... So, yeah, the, 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 the bar seems pretty, I wouldn't say full, but there's, there's at least one person at every, or most tables, um, and a couple of people sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, um, and ask him about the party that had probably been through here. Uh, came with two two orcs named Boxing Creed. Ah, and at the names Boxing Creed, sort of goes from being clearly weary of you to acceptant. Goes, oh, yeah, there was a there was a few fellows with Boxing Creed here earlier. They uh they went into the back room. Tell the uh, wood elf back there that you'll likely see that you're with Box Crate and his their friends. He'll open the door for you. I assume you're here to meet the boss, right? Kind of uh, shrugs. It says, I guess so. I'm just meeting back up with the, the uh, people I've been traveling with. Well, best of luck. Be on your behaviors. <laughs> uh, from smirks and, and nods. Uh, he sort of points with his big eye to the hallway to the right. All right. Um, Frung looks to Adara and sees if she's uh, cool with going. Adara uh, shrugs, figures, you know, why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess. I guess we'll uh, just make our way over there. Then. Okay. So you got you two turn down the hallway and are met with. Two smells right back to one another. First, you smell the delicious aromas of a busy kitchen. And as you pass by the entranceway into the kitchen and down the hall, maybe merely another 10 feet or so, you see an iron wrought door and standing next to it, the most piddly door guard you've ever seen in your life. A lanky but tall wood elf with a bow on his back and a quiver at his side like every wood elf you've ever fucking seen. But the man reeks of pipe Uh weed. And is actively smoking it as you see him. Ah. Frong smiles and says, hello, friend. He's sort of uh, surprised at your at your presence. Immediately puts his pipe uh, away and like taps it on the wall to clean it before he shoves it into a, a, a pouch. And like sort of wipes his face 
wants to sort of aware himself to you and looks to you. Uh, yeah, sorry. Hello, hello. I'm I'm Leaf. Can I help you? Uh, I'd, you know, just say, uh, just we're the remainder of the party that has come here with Boxing Creek. Um, who are your friends? What do they look like? Uh, from just kind of looks to Adara, chuckles and looks back to the guy and says, oh, well, um, there's a little halfling, uh, missing a finger. Let's see, there's a, there's a really grumpy dude who carries, uh, kind of a chip on his shoulder. Um, uh, there's a, there's a tiefling and, uh, he kind of like rubs his chin and ponders a bit. Uh, sorry, friend. No, t- no group like that came by. I can't help you. I'm gonna do a perception check to see if he's lying. That wouldn't be a perception. It would be an insight. Okie dokie. Can I do one as well? Absolutely. Uh, oh, one second. I got a 12. Okay. 13. You guys can tell that there's more that to what's going on, but he seems to be very earnest in his answer. Uh, I will say to him in Thieves' Camp, um, is Thieves' Camp a language? Because it's kind of like slang, right? Yeah, it's, it's slang and uh, particular gesticulations Simples. and stuff like that, yeah. Kind of, he says to him, Thieves Camp, are you bullshitting me because I know they're here? He sort of perks his little wood elf ears to you speaking in Thieves Camp and clearly can understand it and sort of gestures back in a nonverbal version of Thieves Camp with, yeah, there's people been by, but no one by the descriptions you gave. Saying so you got like half our races wrong. I don't think I gave racist for you did. some you of you guys. You said halfling, big guy, and um, tiefling. And tiefling. Well, I know that uh, L is a halfling. And I know... Half-elf, fam. Sorry. Really big difference. Actually yeah, a know. huge difference. Look, I noticed. Oh, I know that. Uh, I know that. Uh, uh, fucking um, Jesus! I didn't write down your character's name. Uh, Val Valandes is a tiefling. Nope. But he's a drow. I'm a drow, oh, bro. I'm, dude, I I should <laughs> fucking write this shit. Ignore me. No. I was I was like not even gonna make a deal out of it, so you started started specifying the wrong shit. I was like, yeah. all right, well then Leaf's yeah. gonna be like, I don't, I didn't see these fucking people. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, do you have something, Adara? Um, I thought I was gonna mention that there was a dragonborn with them. Um, at which point, Leaf sort of turns to her. I assume you said that in common, right? Yes, yes. And he goes, there was a dragonborn. What color were his scales? I'm going to say copper. Uh, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. 
I for being someone who's so inclined, like as a character on knowledge, apparently doesn't know shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's only seven feet tall. Yeah. Well, and mostly covered in armor, so it's not like your scales are predominantly visible, but... I can't hear you, I'm sorry. Mention he's needlessly handsome if you want. <laughs> hey, your, your, your friend Gaharin has silver scales, guys. Let's say silver dragonborn. I'm fucking writing this down right now, because this is actually... <laughs> I, I should know this. Yeah, you should. You should know what your friends look like. Uh, yeah. at, at which point Leaf is going to nod and and, uh, and go to open the door. So let me let me continue with the main party before you actually join them. So the the party walks into the office as it was labeled, and the room is is filled with a thin layer of uh, incense smoke and uh, and and other smoke smoke, but not like fire smoke. I should specifically say, and. Uh, the room is almost wall-to-wall covered in velvet of different hues of red, maroon, and, and other, you know, purple to reds. There is a, uh, a couple of very pretty boys laying around the room in various degrees of nudity. Uh, but at the Good ba- news for our bar. <laughs> He's at, not complaining. At the, at the back <laughs> middle of the room... At the back middle of the room, there is a, uh, let me see if I can pull up a picture of how I imagine this woman looks, and then I'll, I'll, I'll share I've already got, I have an image in my head, I really hope it's what I think it is. Um, anyway, you, you guys, uh, see this 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 being standing there, or, or suppose I should say, lounging there uh, amongst these pretty boys and pretty environments, and all together just quite luxuriously so. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, let me see if I can quickly shop this image to be what I want it to be. And uh, so, anyway, you you see this this snake woman, quite literally a snake woman, sitting there, um, and she finishes a deep gulp of some sort of dark wine, and looks to you all through the veil of smoke and uh, and and uh, what's the word opulence that this room just like radiates with, and you hear her say in sort of a raspy s almost, like, groaningly fucking cliche for a snake person to sound like. So, what brings you peoples into my presence? Um, okay, L's eyes are glittering with love for this woman. He's not, like, in love with her, but he's, like, internally snapping and and giving off fierces. And he's like... (laughs) You must be seducing Right, popping out all charms, as it were. Yeah. Uh, and she sort of nods ever so gently, just enough for you to see, but not enough to give off anything. Uh, and and sort of 
bows her upper torso, uh, showing a little more than you probably expected to see so quickly into meeting this woman. Uh, and she says, naturally and of course. I'm L. It's really nice to meet you. Uh, we've heard so much about you from uh, Box and Crate. Uh, to which the two boys shit. Do you guys see that? So that is what Sedusula looks like. I've shared the image with the party. Um, so there you go. That's what that being sitting before you looks like. Do you guys have any interactions other than L's uh, stammering appreciation? <clears throat> Garen would uh, tear his... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh. At L's um, overbearing charm, Valen's just going to place a thumb and a forefinger on the bridge of his nose and just kind of just pinch, relieve a little pressure. Um, <clears throat> Garen would uh, tear his eyes away from the opulence and buffet of manliness to uh, fix his eyes on the snake woman and uh, perhaps slightly uncharacteristically would bow politely, but it's more of a military bow than, than anything that would be in high society. Mm -hmm. But it would be his best way to show uh, respect to uh, their host. Um, at this, she sort of uh, sets her wine glass down and, like, claps her hands and, and says, Boys, please, chairs for the guests, and then make yourselves elsewhere, would you? The smattering of men in the room of varying races, mind you. Like she's not just like surrounded herself in like six human men. Um, there's a, there's definitely a half elf involved. There is a full on, uh, wood elf present, um, a human <clears throat> and even a dwarf, which you're like, all right. Um, and they, they, you know, trot around the room and, uh, produce chairs and set them up for the group of you to sit. Uh, and during that, scurry she goes box and crate i thought you told me that there would be more than these three uh, are they joining us uh to which uh box nods and says yes yes uh uh two more will be coming quite shortly we think and so the correct amount of chairs are set up for you all and there's apparently a back door that you didn't see behind a curtain to which all of these men sort of make themselves elsewhere in please tell me they giggle as they leave of course. Oh, thank God. They're harem boys. They have one job. <laughs> it's to be adorable as fuck at all times. So. Just, I, need, I need the ambience. I'm sorry. No, sure. <laughs> so so they, they trot on. Uh, and a moment later, she sort of, with a, with a gentle flick of her wrist as if she was, you know, waving the smoke away from her face, the smoke of the room sort of seems to dissipate as a gentle breeze runs through the room as if it was at her own will. And she please offers you a seat. Make yourselves as comfortable as you would. And uh, you notice that Box and Crate have taken themselves to stand at sort of bodyguard positions at the door that you all came in through. Garen <clears throat> uh, would sit towards the end, actually. Uh, Elle would sit as close to her as possible. <laughs> She seems, she seems to have already taken quite an interest in your interest in her, and that is very, very evident. Um, the group is unsure if this is a fly 
sort of flying directly into a spider's web situation or not, it's hard to tell. Uh, and it's at this point that the door latches behind you and opens, uh, and your two elven friends walk in. So, Farong and Adara, you all see this room of your friends, box and crate directly to your left and right, and this uh, snake woman sitting at the other side of the room, in this room that just bleeds with opulence, from the, the gold beads hanging from everywhere to, you know, velvet to velvet to velvet walls and floor and walls the pillows everywhere, the wine, the grapes, the olives, the fruits. Like, it's it's a lovely room to be in, and you're not sure if that makes you comfortable or not. Well, Farag would nod to Boxing Creed uh, and uh, make his way towards the seat, trying not to slip in the puddle that fucking uh, Al left on the floor. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not the kind of liquid you slip in. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I didn't go there first. I know, I know. <laughs> but you, but but you closed the book, so go ahead. You, you go definitely ahead. closed it. Go ahead, Adara. <laughs> it's never gonna open again. It's sticky now. Ew. Ew. <laughs> and there's the addendum. Yep. And Adara, what what is it that you want to do? She's going to nod the box and create respectfully, kind of nod, almost bow to Sedusula and then find a seat as well. Uh, all right. So you all find yourselves situated before this woman. And so she pours herself another uh, glass of wine. And before she raises it to her snake lips... I guess, yeah, fuck it, lips, uh, to take another drink. She says, so what exactly brings you fine series of specimens into my parlor? <clears throat> well, um, I suppose mostly me. I um, see Pox uh, and Creed have told me a lot about your prowess as a healer, and I happen to be in need of that sort of service. And he... he uh, demonstrates his, his missing finger. Uh, also, we, we have done a bit of a service for your crew here, and um, they thought that, that you would just like to introduce us. And she sort of looks to the to, uh, to boxing crate and sort of gives her gives them like a, a, a expression like healer. What the fuck? And she, she looks back to you and goes. Well, I am not particularly talented in the healing arts myself, although I do keep a person quite, quite talented in that in my employ at all times. For you see, the wound on your pretty little finger there is not the most grievous that I have had to deal with in my experiences and my careers. So I could have that seen to in merely a few hours, if that's your desire of me and my people. But... I'm afraid my boys have misinformed you if they said that I was, in fact, a healer. Although, I appreciate you all doing them a kind turn, and therefore I am, well, in turn, quite willing to turn a good kind to you. Thank you uh, very much. Sorry. Some kind of misunderstanding. I... <laughs> and she sort of throws her... Uh, 
one part frightening, one part alluring gaze to the rest of the party. So what is it that I can do for the rest of you fine fellows and fair lady there? Garen would look to uh, Valen for a minute and see if he wants to take the lead on their uh, particular agenda. Valen will give a little nod and then uh, address uh, Sedusala, saying, uh, well, at the moment, we need to go down to the deep desert. Uh, We have mounts, we have carriage, we have supplies. What we don't know is what we're getting ourselves into. Is there any way that you could give us information or possibly aid in our journey down to the deep south? She sort of turns her attention to you after taking a sip of wine and goes, Well there, boy from the north, you're quite far from home, and I'm sure that you're going quite further, because I don't often see people of your kind get too far, well, get this far from home without meaning to. So allow me to ask you this. You got to be more specific. The desert's a pretty big place, and the deep deserts are dangerous and big place. So you're going to have to tell me a little bit more about where it is you're going or what it is you're going after if you want me to help you with information about any of that. Well, we've been tasked with some very important business from uh, the capital city to do some investigation in the deep desert. Hmm. I suppose that has something to do with those big old crystals then, doesn't it? Uh, Valen will let out a heavy sigh and just say, yeah... Well, you're going to go more west in the deep desert than you might think. It's not in the center. It's more of the west side. But the rust dwarves keep quite a disciplined hand on those wastes, so I imagine that provided you have enough water and food, you will probably have very little resistance along your travels. Karen would uh, interject at this moment. Uh, slowly rubbing his hands together and say our issue is more with getting to the wastes. He would look around and uh, mention that he heard that there was some trouble with uh, what was the band group's name? I'm blanking. Wow. The Rat Rat Beak. Beak. Yeah, that one. That they had some uh, trouble with them on the river down here and uh, heard that the real group might have an uh, issue with such people. At the word Ratbeak, ter- the tip of her tail is going to uh, sort of uh, give away her interest. And she sort of leans forward a little bit. Um, another sip of wine before she begins her talk. Ah, what a lovely place, Ratbeak. I assume none of you not terribly salty people know much of it, do you? L shakes his head. Karen would shrug and say only that, uh, and he would pause here, for he was clearly not going to say such a naughty, naughty word as pirate. Right. And say uh, maritime entrepreneurs know of its location. Ah, yes. All manner of seafaring folk know how to get there, but only the brave or the foolish know why to go there. You see, I got my barkeep from that place. Lovely man. Well, 
whatever you would call them exactly. He does his job well. Lovely place, though. If you ever find yourselves on the high seas and in the on a crew, well, on a ship with a crew which, that is either brave or stupid, ask to go there. And if it's not too far out of the way, you might find yourself there. It's a lovely place. But don't go there with only a little bit of coin. It's expensive, but it's worth the trip, I assure you. On your manners with bandit trouble, I would, well, I would care to know a little bit about the rat beak gang that you troubled yourself with. I'm sure that some of my correspondents at Ratbeak itself would love to know that their quite illustrious, although a little mysterious name, is being used in such a perverse manner. Um, at at uh, no one else speaking of Garen would say uh, that they were working with Hill Giant to ambush uh, people on the barge, and that the particular group that concerned them need concern no one any longer. Hmm. How do these Rat Beak Gang individuals distinguish themselves? Uh, it was a tattoo at the base of the neck. Hmm. Primitive. She sort of whisks Crate to her side, which he gladly steps to. And she whispers into his ear, uh, clearly secrets. And he nods once at the end of what she has to say, and she gives him a little peck on his jawbone, and he steps up and walks back to his position by the door. Well, I appreciate the information. I'm sure my friends would love to know about that sort of thing. So, information in an information game, isn't it? I would stay off the road for your first two days out of this town if you travel due south. It'll slow you down, but it will also not slow you down if you get my meaning. From there on, you're probably quite safe. But right before you get to the desert, right before you get to the desert... Be very careful. Anyone brave enough or stupid enough to give people trouble in this area know all too well that giving people trouble in the desert is a good way to find your head at the end of a rest dwarf's pike. So they don't cause trouble if they're standing on the sands. But right outside of it, the rust dwarves don't put their patrols. So that is a dangerous place as well. Uh, L nods, enraptured by every word. <laughs> Any other nods or, or questions? Nothing for Farang. Now, if we could ask you one more favor. She nods. Is there, is there anything we can do to... Garner the favor of some rust dwarves when we arrive in the desert. She asks Maybe a good word? She asks if you have um, a map of the the desert or of the of, of the world. I present the map that I have in the map case. She looks it over and sort of seems to dab one of her fingernails into an inkwell 
and sort of very gently dots a few um, parts along the rim of the desert and then sort of asks you to take that from her. Uh, and I do. Points out that those dots are rust dwarf checkpoints of entry into the desert. There's obviously many, many spaces available to slip between those checkpoints. But if you want to be on the Rust Dwarf's good side, and allow me to tell you thoroughly, young folk, that you want to be on their good side if you go, if you plan to be off well in the desert, you should check in with them at their checkpoints. They are very willing to help. It's hardly ever free, but the information's good. And, well, be prepared to have them attempt to sell you guides. If you know where you're going, you don't need them, but they will try to sell them to you. Uh, Valen will nod and thank her. So, I assume that the, my boys said that there was compensation to be expected, or did I misremember what they said? No, nope, you remember correctly. So... What is it do you that you need? Weapons, armor, items, gold. Uh, Garen would perk up at uh, her mention of armor, but uh, he wouldn't speak out loud just yet, waiting to see what the rest of the group says. But it's rather obvious that he perked up at that. Um. Uh, Valen will say, well, if it's not too forward of me to speak for the party, I personally wouldn't mind a new weapon. Okay. Then that will turn to the rest of the party to see what they have, have to ask for. Um, Elle is yeah. clearly receiving enough sustenance just basking in her radiance, and he couldn't possibly ask anything else. Uh, Farang's gonna ask, uh, mention, make mention that, you know, that his old studded leather armor is good for the capital, but not so good for a desert. Wondering if he would, uh, likewise kind of, uh, reach back and fondle the dagger hole in his now torn chainmail and say, uh, likewise something that could stop. A uh, lucky dagger strike would be nice. Uh, he piggyback, uh, Furung piggybacks off that and says he doesn't, I, I not so much need the protection, but more camouflage for the desert. She sort of seems to think on your request and asks if you are all staying the night in town tonight. Uh, Frung looks to the party. Karen says it's not the best idea to set out or is it in the afternoon now or towards dusk? Or? It's early at, early to mid-afternoon. So it doesn't make sense to start the caravan so close to dinner. You imagine they'll be staying the night. Uh, Valen nods and says uh, we should head out in the morning. She says, uh, well, have you all been to any of the inns in town? Garen would mention that he enjoyed his time at the uh, broken, broken bludgeon. 
Thank you, God. I don't know why I keep trying to say cudgel. Yeah, it's fine. Broken bludgeon. And she sort of seems to chuckle. Oh, that is a lovely little place. Yes, uh, do tell the owner that uh, I'm calling in that favor and that he will room your party for the evening and stable your your mounts, if you have them, as well for a night, and that me and him no longer need to worry about that thing that happened last year. Mm, that thing. And uh, I would make sure that you leave your doors uh, available for guests in this evening after dinner. I will send some friends over to help you with your problems. Um, Valen will offer a deep bow and say thank you. Karen would do likewise. A genuine tone of appreciation in his voice. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, L will allow himself to be dragged out. That's what we're all yep. doing. <laughs> she sort of uh, stands up as a snake woman would and uh, sort of gently nods her head down a little and says that it was lovely to meet you. Thank you for your kindness to my friends. And I hope that my kindness pays it back. Any time, really. Any time. Any time. <laughs> Alright, you guys uh, are shown out by Box and Crate. Good deal. Back out in the street, L is all moody, sighing. Karen would pat him on the shoulders and say, don't worry. If she's not willing, I'm sure her little harem boys are. She's just everything I want to be. A snake, you would question. <laughs> well, everything but that. Honestly, I'd take it. If that's the full package. <laughs> he would say trust in the scales are more trouble than they're worth. Having heard it, look. Valen will uh, turn and say, I'm added to the broken blood. And, um, I'm going to have a few drinks before bed. Garen would follow him, finding a surprisingly kindred spirit. In the Dark Elf. Alright, so the party, I assume, all together, makes their way over to the Broken Bludgeon? Sure. Yeah, why not? And then they get ripped. <laughs> what, what, what was that you were saying, Adara? I said, someone's gotta keep these boys in order. Yep. Alright, you all walk in, and uh, the, the, the half-elf man recognizes a few of you from before and goes, Ah, welcome back, friends. And here for another round, I see you've brought some company. Uh, yeah, uh, we brought friends and we're looking to spend the night. Um, we've just come from seeing Sedusala, and uh, she would like to call in a favor and have us lodge for the night. As he says, call in a favor, Garen would uh, add for that thing. Uh, at which point he sort of understands what you're getting at and nods and says, of course, and I would gladly include your meal for the evening. And As long as you don't get too ridiculous on the drink, uh, feel, feel no cost on that either. This would clearly excite the dragonborn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, that sounds more than amiable. 
and um, Valen will make his way to the bar. Um, as you all sort of make your way to the bar, the half-elf barmaid sort of walks across your shoulders and asks if there's anything from the kitchen she could get for you. At this point, Garen just says anything. He's clearly rather famished from walking. Okay. Uh, Valen will say the same's for me. Or the same for me. At this point, the, the yeah. half-elf bartender sort of looks to one of the empty tables that would be more amicable for a party of your size and says, Mind if I ask you to find yourselves comfortable at a table? I'm sure the service will stay the same for you, being guests of honor and all. Karen's fine with this. Yep, of course. Yeah. Um, sure. As the, uh, the, the barmaid sort of walks back towards the kitchen, you hear the half-elf in Elvish, so some of you understand. Uh, you yep. hear him yep. say... My dear, these are friends of Sedusa. Find the find the good pork, if you would. And she sort of stops at the name and nods and uh, makes makes haste to the kitchen. I'll look to the party and say, "Well, it seems like we're going to get the uh, the greatest treatment." Frung kind of nods. Yes, bring on the drinks. Well, and and not. To not too short of order, uh, does a huge platter of a whole loaf of bread, a few sizable bricks of cheese uh, of different flavors, um, a bottle of, of good wine, a pitcher of ale, enough mugs and glasses for the group of you, and uh, a, a, a huge haunch of uh, salted pork is brought to your table. <clears throat> Garen would nearly attack the food uh, not impolitely but um, he would certainly immediately start chopping some off of everything as he could reach it when there weren't other hands in his way Sure. and uh, eat with the hunger of a man who's been on the trail right the meal is lovely the wine is, is exquisite and the ale is substantial uh, altogether, it's a wonderful meal to sort of bounce you back from being on the river for half a week. Delicious. Uh, is there any other actions before you all retire for the evening? Sedusla said that she was going to have her healer meet us here. Is that right? Yeah, she implied that you are going to have guests tonight. Okay, so, but probably after dinner. Yeah, so like if you retired to your room, I would... Probably be when then, I would introduce that. No other actions. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you did. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. Garen would uh, drink himself silly and then uh, re- retire. Okay. Um, yeah. So you are all, uh, you all retire in various states of stupor and sobriety, and uh, not too long after you're sort of relaxing and have doffed your armor and. Just sort of enjoying the the pleasant evening weather of your room. There's a, a gentle knock at the door. Alec goes to Are we all in the same room? Um, yeah, it's a big room. It's like the suite of the of the building. Garen would uh, barely stir his incredibly chiseled, scaled, nearly naked dragon body. Uh, <laughs> 
nestled under the blankets. God damn it, Art. Keep your fantasies out of my goddamn campaign. <laughs> Dare you enter my magical realm? Uh, anyway. Sorry, uh, So, <laughs> the, the door opens, um, and uh, standing there is a very priestly looking man with a tailor standing behind him. The priestly man is of, uh, of human background, quite clearly, although his skin has a bit of a dark uh, uh, a red tint, which would lead you to believe that he might have tiefling in his history. And uh, he asks if you are the wounded that he is here to tend to. Guilty. And uh, he sort of like slaps his back hand against the chest of the tailor behind him. Like, See, I told you I knew where they were. And the two of them walk in. Um, and the the priest man sort of introduces himself and introduces the tailor as well as friends of Sedusula, and that you are all obviously friends of Sedusula as well, um, and that the tailor would like to take some measurements, and uh, if for anyone who needed something to handle the desert. Uh, Garen would tr- groggily stand his feet at that. Um. And offer a light wave, his other hand going to his head. Um, nobody likes to be woken up so soon after being so drunk. Well, the tailor is professional as is he is also quick. Uh, you, Everyone who desires, which, uh, is there anyone that is abstaining from the tailor's services? Um, I, I need to get fitted. Al is interested in watching him apply his craft. He has an eye for a good tailor. Does this guy know his business? Um, let's see. Um, yes, this guy is, like I said, he is quick and professional. Uh, he writes down the occasional measurement, but you see most of his measurements go into his own mind. Um, but he is dressed sharply himself. Uh, you can imagine he made his own attire. And mm-hmm. uh, that always has a bit of a, a, a weight to it because fitting yourself is always more difficult than fitting others. And he seems quick, almost uh, calculated with his approach. Every single person in the room that he gets the measurements of, he is ex- extensively consistent in. Uh, he takes the exact same measurements in the exact same time frames, every single person. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's somewhat impressive to see. Um during that time, the priest um, comes to you, L, and asks to see the digit that is to be mended. L um, holds it up. He uh, sort of grabs your wrist quite gently and uh, hovers his offhand, uh, which dangling through his his fingers weaved is essentially what we would know as like a rosemary, but his prayer beads of his uh, god. And he begins to chant, um, and a a gentle uh, heat radiates from his hand. And uh, a moment later, you have your finger anew. (gasps) Elle is ecstatic. And at that moment, there is another gentle rapping at the door. L goes to open it with his left hand. You're able to with all of your digits present. And yes. standing there herself is Sedusala. 
skadoosh. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, she she looks to you and sees your hand whole and looks to the room and goes, Ah, I see my friends have done their services for you all. Is that correct? And well. She nods approvingly. Very good. I'm glad to see all of my debts paid promptly and correctly. And she looks to the tailor and to the priest and sort of like says that they can go. They do. And she looks at L directly, grabs you by your left hand, and just gently pecks your finger that it was just restored. And at you freezing to that attention, she turns and makes her way down the hall. Oh, man, you guys. Oh, man. Oh, man, you guys. <laughs> it's... Oh, oh, man, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that happens. Uh, anything else that you guys want to do the in, for the evening? Nope. Mm-hmm. Um. L doesn't really sleep much tonight. He uh, goes and gets his wine out of their uh, out of their supplies and is actually just going to wander the streets drinking and playing his lute. Okay. For hours. All right. Uh, you want to give me a performance to let me know how well that goes? Do, 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 oh, do. God, here it comes. Fucking nap 20 wakes up the whole town. <laughs> I got a 16. It's a 21. Uh, okay. Uh, Alright, so even though you get no to little sleep and you don't find your bed until mid, you know, late hours into the morning, Mm -hmm. uh, you make about 18 gold for your performance from the miscellaneous people appreciating your your, uh, clearly addled state but a definite skill. And uh, you all wake up the next morning in your rooms in obviously different levels of disarray considering the night before and inside of your room, just inside the door is a, or sorry, not inside the room. There's a knock at the door and you hear uh, breakfast on the other side, quite gently said. Um, as much as he would like to sleep, the prospect of food gets Garen out of bed and he goes to open up the door. Uh, standing on the other side of the doorway is the half-elf woman, who clearly is the uh, wife and barmaid to this place. And she has a tray of different assorted bagel-like um, grain foods and a pitcher of milk and some fruits and a couple strips of of a freshly cooked pork side and offers the, the platter to you and says that you can just leave the waste there and she'll clean it up later today. He would grunt at that, indicating his thanks before he would take everything he could and uh, head back inside. Um, since you didn't close the door, she um, motions, oh, a moment more, big master. And she turns about and turns around again and in her arms is uh, six stacks of clothes of varying sizes. 
and just sort of walks into the room and sets it down to the left of the doorway and says, this came from the front, the one of your guests from last night. I, I assume they're for you. And she closes the door and makes her way on. Something is making way too much noise and Elle throws his pillow at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, it poofs uh, on the ground next to the pile of uh, folded clothes. Uh, Valen, being waken up by the uh, the door um, for breakfast, will see the um, stacks of clothes and uh, walk up looking for his name. Um, you find each of them uh, is addressed by your race, unfortunately. Um, oh. It's like your race and your height. So it's like Drow, 5'9", or whatever your character's height is, etc., etc., and, uh, Close enough. What what is there clearly in a stack is a series of desert clothes uh, designed to protect you from the harsh wind and uh, sandy nature of your planned expedition. Uh, some of these are quite baggy sets of clothes that seem to be almost designed to go over armor. Oh, and I would have pointed out, and I just totally forgot, that the tailor that was there with you all last night mended any problems in your armor, such as that, you know, knife wound in your chain, uh, your your studded leather is freshly oiled. Um, all of your all of your armor is a bit freshed. Cool. Neat. So uh, I know we're coming close to our time for the night. Is there any last minute? Things you'd like to do? No. Alright. So you guys wake up in your room. You have desert clothes for everyone. You have uh, um, a nice breakfast. The night's room's been paid. Some of you had quite more interesting nights than others. And next week, you all will get back on the road and make your way toward the great desert to the south. Thank you for tuning in, good listeners. I am, as always, your Dungeon Master, Kenny. I have with me my players, as always, with the Love Struck Bard. So, that's me. <laughs> have a good night. Our studious elf. Have a good night, everyone. Our quieter, but equally studious elf. <laughs> good night. Our drow who wants answers. I got it. I got a few. Good night. And Geheran, who really wants to find another mercenary searching for love. <laughs> One day. There are dozens of us, literally dozens. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.